Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 413, how should young savers invest pensions and estimate their retirement income needs? Is going into your employee stock purchase plan a good portfolio diversification strategy? What do Joan Bigal think of multi-year guaranteed annuities or MIGAs and dividend-paying stocks versus ETFs? Plus, the fellows talk IPAs, porters, and bourbon through a $10.6 million retirement spitball analysis, making extra mortgage payments versus saving to a brokerage account, and contributing to a Roth 401k versus a traditional 401k when you're a tight ass. Also, will a 403b held by an insurance company be subject to separation costs or surrender fees when rolled to an IRA? and the specifics on when to file Tax Form 5500. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. We got Anna from Oregon right in, goes, Joe, Big Al, and Andy, big fan of your podcast, have a question about pensions and how they factor into asset allocation and overall retirement plan. My wife and I expect to receive a pension when we retire. She is a federal employee and I'm a state employee. I'm 36, yo, and she's 38, yo. I've heard some people consider their pension as bonds or save fixed income in their portfolios and then invest mostly or entirely in equities. I think you have suggested that people first look at what their income needs are in retirement and then subtract from that amount their expected pension in order to figure out the gap and they will need to fill with non-pension funds. Very good, Adam. Guys, listening. Yeah, yep, and we agree with that. (laughs) We are probably a couple of decades away from retirement, so it's hard to say what our income needs will be. For now, should we invest more heavily in equities and less in bonds? Uh, Yes. Um, (laughs) Or should we be less aggressive knowing we have that guaranteed income stream? Oh, interesting. Okay, we could take the other side of that, I guess. How should we be thinking about our pension as part of our overall portfolio? We'd love to hear you chat a bit about pensions. We're currently about 85% equities, 15% bonds. I expect my pension to replace 45% of my salary and my wife's to replace 33% of hers. I'm driving an old Ford until it won't go anymore. Recently lost her sweet dog, a Boston Terrier mix, 13 years old. I'm sorry to hear that. Enjoy a good hazy IPA. Thanks. Love the show. All right, Adam. <clears throat> great question. So he's yeah. looking at it from, hey, if I don't need to take on the risk, why should I? Or should I just put the pedal to the metal and floor it because I don't need this money for 20 years? I'm on the ladder. Yeah, have, I am too. Yeah, you, you plenty of time to have the markets recover. If the markets were to crash, you want the market to crash. You want it to continue to be as volatile as all get out um, because the dollars that you're saving each month or each pay period or order, whatever your saving cycle is, you, you know, if the markets are down, you're buying more shares at a cheaper price. Um, I would be looking at loading up more on Roth IRAs because your pensions are going to be taxed at ordinary income. And then this will give you the diversification to have higher income at lower tax rates. So if I was Adam and I was having a little lazy IPA or hazy IPA. Yeah, hazy. Or lazy IPA, whatever. Either one is good. (laughs) Yeah, we turn lazy after we have a couple of hazies. Yes. I, I would say go all equities and all Roth. Yeah, I, I like that too. I would go, I, I would 
I don't have any problem sticking with the current allocation, 85% stocks. You could go 90, you go 100. You just have to understand stock volatility, right? And if, and some people can't handle that, right? And if you can't handle it, then then back it off a little bit. But at any rate, uh, yeah, that, that would be the better answer. And then when you get to retirement, you run through that calculation that you already went through, right? You don't even think about your pension. It just is what it is. Your pension is your pension. Do your shortfall and figure out what allocation you need to have going into retirement, and then you're golden. Yeah, I mean, I think when, once he gets close to 10 years from retirement, then you might want to slowly start changing your allocation or maybe a little bit before that. Um, you don't want to do it right at retirement, but you know, you want to be planning each year of, all right, well, what does the allocation look like? Are you on track, not on track? What target rate of return are you expecting each year to get to a certain dollar figure? You know, how did you do this year compared to last year? You know, what moves did you make during market volatility? You know, so this is an ongoing process. So, you know, some some years you might go 100% pre-tax versus Roth. But as I'm kind of thinking out loud and just looking at a lot of our clients that have pensions that were good savers, um, you know, they have these large pensions and then they also have large 401k accounts and they have nothing else. So 100% of their income is coming either from a 401k plan or 403b plan, IRAs, and then pensions, and everything is taxed at ordinary income rates, and they're not big spenders. And so then what happens when they get a little bit older, you know, the RMDs kick in, and then it's all, you know, then they're losing even more of their hard-earned money that they saved 20, 30 years, you know, trying to build. So Adam's in a good spot so he can be a little bit more diversified and savvy in his overall saving strategy, knowing that he's going to have a fixed income source later in life, you know, to protect his floor and essential expenses. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, and Miss Andy, love the show. Got an investment diversification question that may be new. And if you agree with me, I may try to talk you out of it. Just looking to get an objective take. Here's for some number vomit. <laughs> that's that a, sounds that's like a, fun. The new way to say it, right? All right, number bonded. Fifty-one, married, plan to retire at sixty. Okay, so we got nine years, Al. Right. Current salary two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Usually get about sixty to eighty thousand dollars in annual stock vesting, and have about one hundred fifty thousand dollars unvested, which grows each year at bonuses. Currently, about seventy-five thousand dollars vested. Debt-free, net worth one point seven including paid off house in the mountains worth around 700,000. Uh, 401k, 475,000, about 305, which is Roth, which I'm converting more annually. I max out mega garage door Roth 401k every year. So about 57,250 all Roth and 10,250 employer match maxing me out. Employer match is pre-tax. So I put it all in a bond fund. And then rebalance when advantageous advantageous to my equities. Uh, pretty aggressive, heavy value focused, large, small, mid, international, about 20% S&P. Small cap value is my largest holding. Wow. It's going all in. Roth IRAs, <clears throat> brokerage and HSA through diversified across Vanguard, Avantis in dimensional funds. $50,000 each Roth IRAs for wife and I, similarly allocated. Largest holdings are large and small value. Now, $300,000 in a brokerage account. We got an HSA maxed, um, fully invested. Able to contribute about thirty dollars to $40,000 to brokerage annually. 
I front load payroll contribution. So at September bonus, everything maxes me out. So I get a full paycheck in Q4. All that said, there isn't anything else to invest for retirement, but could do more in the brokerage. Would ESPP be a good addition? Tech company I work for offers 10% discount. I could sell day one. It's vested quarterly. Concerned is that the quarterly vesting of stock from bonus is already automatically aided, um, added to my EGI, whether I cash it out or not, as would the ESPP. And I think it not only might put me into the next tax bracket, but reduces my flexibility of doing Roth conversions in the 401k before tax um, hikes in 2025. Used to hold the stock for over a year, used to hold the stock for over a year of, to take advantage of long-term capital gains, but have been letting it build as we have gone from $350 a share to $250 a share over the last year. <laughs> Excuse me. However, that means is it's on sale, right? And this means to be the time to go all in and max out the ESPP for $25,000 a year. What are your thoughts? Pretty high risk tolerance. Appreciate any spitball or thoughts you can provide. Value for your insight. Follow up. Just ask a long question about ESPP. Forgot the most important part. Jameson. Cask make stout. Oh. Cask make stout. All right. Uh, five cats. This guy has five cats. Yep. Got a husky, a little Roddy Shepherd mix. 07 Tribeca. 12 Durango. 12 Yamaha Royal Star. Motorcycle. Oh, cool. <laughs> Craig's got a lot of stuff going on. It's big, big time saver, Al. Yeah, big time. And you could answer this either way, Joe. Why don't you take what, what way? Or you can do both answers because you can make an argument either way. I don't know. Um, does he ma max out the ESPP? He gets a discount if he's going to hold it and he puts another $25,000 into it. Uh, but um i like what would i do if i was craig um, i think i think there's an important thing that we have no knowledge of and that is what's his feeling about the company because the, the company's just gone from 350 share to 250 so is it going to bounce back or not who knows but those working in the company might have a better sense than us if i was super bullish on the company I might do it just because you're buying it on sale. You, you already you get a 10% discount, but then you're buying it on sale and then watch that thing launch back up. On the other hand, I would be super careful on doing this because your salary, your stock <laughs> bonuses, your that the restricted um, shares, restricted shares, all of that's tied into one company. I, it kind of makes me nervous to go in even deeper with one company. So I would, I would probably not do it. Unless I just was so bullish on the company that I felt like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. Cause I, I'm feeling really good about this. Yeah. I mean, I think I would do it. It seems like he's fairly diversified. He's a good saver. He's 51 once retired 10 years. Um, you know, he makes a good income and you know, what the hell um, it, it's down quite a bit. I would, yeah, I like it. I would go all in. I would not sell it until it's long-term capital gains though. Where you hold what types of investments matters. Proper asset location is an important and often overlooked strategy in maintaining your wealth. 
Learn how owning assets with higher expected returns in your Roth accounts, lower returning assets in your 401ks and IRAs, and not holding income-producing assets in your brokerage accounts, for example, can result in better returns on those investments. Download the free guide on why asset location matters from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app. You'll see the guide just before the episode transcript. Joe from Pensacola. Hey, Joe, big Al, love your show. My wife and I are five to seven years from retirement and we have substantial tax deferred savings. We're also coming into a large inheritance that will be all cash. Got three questions. First, what do you think about placing three to five years in cash in a multi-year guaranteed annuity that will be available uh, to us upon retirement? Little MIGA. Um, sure, that's fine. Uh, second, what do you think about having three to five years of cash cushion upon retirement and then investing all else in stocks versus a more diversified portfolio? Third, I've been told to keep a cash cushion upon retirement so I do not need to draw down my stock portfolio when the market's down. What guidelines do you suggest determine whether to take my money from the cash cushion or the portfolio or um, at any given time? All right. So he's just asking a standard kind of a distribution plan. He's got a lot of tax deferred dollars. He's going to get some cash. He's thinking, do I keep in the cash? Do I invest it? Do I buy, you know, a MIGA? What's... What what what's the what's the rule of thumb that you would give um, Joey from Pensacola here, Big Al? Well, I'm not gonna. You can talk about the guaranteed annuity pros and cons, but uh, the way I guess the way I would think of it is, yes, you want a lot of safe money when you're retiring so that you can draw that down uh, to pay your bills when the market's down. So it it doesn't have to be cash only. It can be bonds. I, I know bonds are no fun right now because they've been sort of beat up in the market, but that's not necessarily true long-term. Long-term bonds have outperformed cash uh, for you know, for hundred years, right? So there's there's an advantage to having bonds, and you can think of bonds as your safe money. The principal is not a hundred percent guaranteed if you're in a bond fund, but as when they do slip, it's usually not that much. So I, I would say, yeah, you think the thinking is right. You probably want to have three to five years of safe money, maybe even ten, depending upon your situation. But that can be bonds as well as cash. Yeah, here's the Joe. This is what you want to look at, in my opinion. Is what is your cash need? I mean, what is the what's the demand for the portfolio? So is it fifty thousand dollars a year that you need from the portfolio? Then you might want to go five years of fifty thousand dollars, right? So you have your income in cash or something very safe for five years. Maybe it's seven years, maybe it's 10 years, really depending on your risk tolerance. So this is all based on your planning and in your planning needs. So how much capital that you have, how much fixed income that you will have coming in as pensions and social security, and then taking a look at what else is needed to supply or or to, to make your lifestyle as you wish. So what is the demand for the portfolio? And then from there, you might want to have, I would put five years sitting in something very safe, cash. You could do a MIGA, you could do CDs, you could do whatever, right? And so then you, you know who cares what happens to the overall markets in five years. If they, if they crash for two to three years, you're not pulling any money from there, right? Or if you, if you think five years is not long enough, it might go 10 years. I don't think there's been a period in time, don't quote me on this, that an overall diversified portfolio has been negative over a 10-year time period. 
So you don't have to worry about pulling from your diversified portfolio if you have that cushion. So you could go three years, you could go five years, seven years, 10 years. It really depends on your risk tolerance. And it sounds like this is added money that you maybe you weren't expecting that you might not need. And you have all the rest in this tax deferred accounts. Maybe you use some of that cash to, to help pay for taxes as you convert and let that grow tax-free. So a lot of different um, ways to look at this. Appreciate the question. All right, let's go to Michael from Los Angeles. Hey, we are 61 and we have 11 years left on our home mortgage. That's 2.25% balance of 234000 Payments $1,900 includes tax and insurance. We plan on retiring in four years, and we have a pension of $80,000 and about $800,000 in retirement accounts. Income is $150,000. Roth will be maxed out each year until retirement. Should we pay an extra $1,000 per month on our mortgage or invest $1,000 per month in our non-retirement account? We would like to lower our markets. We like the lower market's current downturn. It's a buying at a discount prices, but would like to pay off the whole mortgage. Thank you, Michael. All right. He's got 2.25% mortgage rate, Al. His mortgage is 230000 He's 61 years old. He's got 11 years left. And he's like, hey, we got $1,000 extra a month. What do we do? Should we pay down the mortgage or should we save more in our brokerage account? Yeah, I'd say more in the brokerage account. That's a great uh, interest rate. And likely, given that the market is down, you're going to do a lot better than that long term in the market. That's what I do. Yeah, I would do the exact same thing. Um, because let's say he continues to build out the brokerage account, right? And how many more years does he have? He's got 11 years left on the mortgage, but he wants to retire in four years. Four years, yeah. Okay. He's got an $80,000 pension. In $800,000 in retirement accounts. So he's right. going to have a million plus in retirement accounts, and he's got $80,000 of pension. Um, he doesn't have a fixed income problem, right? Yeah, I he's agree. He's got a huge pension. If he didn't have that big of a pension and he had a little bit lower savings, then I would be like, okay, yeah, you, you probably want to pay that thing down or pay it off. But in his case, I mean, Mike's sitting fine. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And this would be a case where and we don't know how much he has in his brokerage account, but you, you, you do want to have that flexibility so that you've got money uh, in your retirement account, in your Roth account, in your brokerage account, if at all possible. $1,000 a month for the next four years will definitely put a dent on the mortgage, but it's still going to be there, Joe. It's it's still You're not going to get it paid off in that four-year period of time. It's such a low interest rate. It's not going to impact your retirement negatively. I, I would just keep it and invest the money, particularly while the market's down. Yep. I mean, 2.25%. I don't know if we'll, people would beg to have that mortgage. Yeah, I know. I My, my first mortgage was 12.5%. That was a while ago. Oh, wow. I mean, what, At, what are mortgage rates today? Seven? Yeah, I, I don't know. Six? I, I just remember refinancing at 10% thinking this is this is a steal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's see, a 30-year fixed today yes, is 7%. 7%. Yeah. Just crazy. 15 year about 6%. Yeah, that is. I, I remember uh, my parents talking about having a mortgage for 5%, and I was thinking, I don't get that. How could that even happen? <laughs> and now it's then it got down to like two and a quarter. Who would have thought? Well, here we are, seven percent. 
All right. Hey, Joe, Big Al, your podcast is one of my favorites and very informative. I now consider myself a backdoor Roth expert. Even though I was unable to make this type of contribution, my question mark is about YMYW. Oh, my question is about YMYW investment strategies when it comes to dividend paying stocks. A local NorCal firm that also has a weekly podcast, not nearly as good as your podcast, trashed the concept of dividend reinvestment as a false return because the share price gets discounted after the payout. Their investment strategy is 100% index ETF bonds ETFs. If you compare SDY okay, versus SPY, SDY is down 3% year-to-date, net zero after dividend, and SPY is down 17%. I would like to know about YMYW's typical portfolio and dividend approach recommendation for recently retired 60-plus. For an example, how does – okay, so he just wants our opinion on um, the our, our approach on dividend-paying stocks. Right, right. Yes, you want dividend-paying stocks in your portfolio, 100%, absolutely, yes. But it's not a, a one-all strategy. I, I don't think we believe in, hey, we're just going to have just solely dividend-paying stocks and live off the dividend. The The podcast or the radio show that you listened to was absolutely correct in regards to the stock is discounted exactly by the dividend. The stock price goes down by the dividend. So it's... You can create a synthetic dividend by just selling a share of a stock that doesn't produce a dividend. But I don't want to exclude all the other stocks that don't necessarily produce a, a big dividend. That's my two cents. Yeah, well, I think that's that is the point. I think we we believe you should have a globally diversified portfolio with everything, right? Dividend paying stocks, non-dividend paying stocks. It's a it's a simple fact that every time there's a dividend, the stock price goes down by the amount of that dividend. That's just the way it works. And so we're somewhat indifferent. We we want to have all stocks and some are dividend paying and some are not. Yes, we like all good stocks. Some of them are dividend, some of them are bad. I mean, some of them are not uh, dividend. Hello, my name is Flash. Flash. That's sexy. Yeah. Flash Jordan. I like that. (laughs) If my last name was Jordan, I guarantee my name would be Flash. (laughs) Stumbled across your super podcast a couple of months ago and realized we need to be spitballed. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yep. Uh, my wife and I are both 63. We are both engineers, worked 30 plus years and retired at age 54. Wow. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Super. Haven't super worked. <laughs> he's, he's super fast. <laughs> Haven't worked at all since retirement. Our two kids are off the payroll. We travel, golf, boat, root for our baseball team and drink way too much bourbon. God, I love this guy. First step is admitting you got a problem, Flash. I love this guy. I want to be Flash. Yeah, you can you can relate to him, huh? Yeah, I'm going to retire at 54 and just <laughs> golf and drink bourbon. Bourbon, yeah. We drive a 2015 Nissan Armada in a 2016 Infi- Infinity M60. Ooh. Infinity M60. Uh, sounds fast. Yeah, it does sound fast. We got five million. Flash. Yeah, for Flash, right? It's got to be quick. We have five million dollars in brokerage accounts. Five million. Total in two IRAs. Look at Flash. I mean, this it just gets better and better. Right. Every time. Man, bourbon. He's got 10 million bucks. He golfs. 
Now you, now you, flash. Now you, now you really want to be him, don't you, Jim? Uh, I, I'm, this is my goal. <laughs> this is, here's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to be Flash by the time I'm 54. <laughs> <laughs> so we got $5 million in a brokerage account, $5 million total in two IRAs, and $600,000 total in two Roths. About 75% of this is in a wide variety of stocks. The remainder is in bonds and cash. We have a monthly payment of a monthly pension of $9,000 a month. Just keeps better. Dividends and interest about eight thousand a month. We start receiving five thousand a month in Social Security in a few years. We have no state income tax. We spend about twenty five thousand a month. That's a solid lifestyle. Yeah, that's that that fits your goal too. How about that? Look at all that. that bourbon. Yeah, I know. I want like thirty five thousand. I got it. Yikes! We had our house paid off, uh, but did a cash out refi. And got a 30-year 3% loan because it seemed like a good idea. That's our only debt. Our plan <laughs> is to deplete our brokerage accounts, take RMDs out of our IRAs, and finally spend the Roths. Does that make sense? After listening to you, I realized maybe we should be moving money over to our Roths. I don't think we are going to run out of money, but would prefer to minimize our donation to the IRS and maximize our donation to charity or in the kids. Um. All right. Flash. Great email here too. It was succinct. Yeah, it's understandable. Fun. Yep. Right. It got to the point, and then he gave like some really good nuggets. I could see Flash right now. It's like yeah. I'm talking Flash. He's got a little. He's got some bourbon. You know, he's got his. I don't know. He's, he he pays no income tax, so maybe he's got his little Florida Marlins. <laughs> you know, jersey. May, maybe say. So. Yeah. Well, and he and the and the what he wrote is half a page instead of like three three pages. Yeah. So yeah, we could spitball this. Um, I think he's right. I think he's probably, uh, he missed, um, some opportunity because he's been retired since 54 and he's 63. So the last 10 years or nine years, he could have been doing some conversions, um, and getting a lot of that $5 million out of the retirement accounts in, into, um, Roth IRAs because Al, he's got $5 million in retirement accounts in 10 years when he has his RMD. His RMD is going to be like a half a million dollars a year. Yeah, it'll yeah right. It'll be probably be ten million dollars and and four four percent of that. It's it's a it's a lot, right? Right, and then plus he's got a huge pension plus the dividends and interest, um, you know, that are kicking off of his brokerage account. Yeah, plus his pension gonna, and and social security. He's going to be in the highest tax bracket for sure. Right, and tax rates are only going to go up. So yeah, I would be peeling as much money out of the Roth or out of the IRAs and into Roths as much as you can now until uh, in, until he turns seventy three. So he's got ten years. Yeah, I would at a minimum go up to the top of the twenty four percent bracket, right? Which is over what three hundred forty thousand or so ish. Yeah, I might even go a little bit more than that. I I might too, given these numbers. Yeah. I mean, I, I would want to look at that. Yeah. My, I might pop into the 32% bracket because flash, you're going to be in, in probably the highest tax bracket when you consider what the RMDs would be if you didn't do anything right now. And then he wants, yeah. he wants the money to go maximize donation to charity and to the kids. So charity can get what's left over in your IRA. The kids would get the Roth IRA that you converted because you, you may not need much of it. Boy, that's a, that would be a great strategy. Yeah. I mean, 24 is a no-brainer. I hate that term, no-brainer. I don't know why I just said it, but <laughs> it's already out there. It's out in the universe. It's too late. But, yeah. 
It, so because at 24, uh, he's going to be in the 37 or 39.6 percent tax bracket, potentially. Yeah, potentially. Right. Or or because, whatever or whatever it becomes. Yeah, it could be higher. Yeah, it, it could be higher because his RMD is going to be 400, 400 plus. He's got a pension of 100. some. He's got Social Security plus his interest dividends. You know, you're looking at five, six, uh, six fifty of, of income. Um, so a lot of that required distribution. Um, is going to be taxed at the highest of rate. So, it, you know, yeah, you would want to look at it and map this out a little bit better. He's an engineer, right? Um, Spreadsheets. Yeah, he's got a spreadsheet, guaranteed. Get the Excel. Get it, get it going there. Um, pour a nice glass of bourbon. Get the Excel going. <laughs> and then, and then uh, about a- well, but then check it in the morning after it, with that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to double check. Yeah, you might need to you know, double check your math. Right. Or you could get some professional eyeballs on your retirement plan just to make sure that the bourbon isn't doing the talking when it comes to your entire financial future. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and schedule a free financial assessment with one of the pros on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. It's a much deeper dive than a spitball, and it'll uncover any potential tax-saving strategies or any possible weak points in your plan. And since Pure Financial is a fee-only fiduciary, they won't sell you any investment products or earn any commissions, and they're legally required to put the client's best interests above their own. So you got that going for you as well. Uh, Hey, Andy, Joe, Big Al. I'm still digging your podcast every week. Love the show. This is our boy Schmitty. Schmitty, yeah. Haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah. He's cruising around in his golf cart. I know. I have another one for you. I understand that when your 401k rises above $250,000 that you're required to file a form 5,500. I'm curious to what the scenarios would trigger this. Scenario one, let's say I have a 401k with 200,000 and a Roth 401k with 100,000. Are you to combine uh, them making the total of the 401ks equal 300,000 and then required to file the 5,500? Usually that's one plan with a Roth provision. And so, yeah, yeah, usually. But let's let's just say you you do have two plans, and uh, the 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 truth is, if you if one employer uh, has more than one plan, right, you have to combine them together. And I, if you're if you're sole proprietor, and we're we're talking about uh, individual four hundred one k's, solo four hundred one k's. We're not talking about other types of four hundred one k's when you have employees. So in that case, you gotta you gotta and presumably as a self employed, everything is kind of under that same umbrella because you're you you know you have a you have a sole proprietorship. So yeah, you have to add the two plans together, or three plans, or four plans. If they're over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you gotta do fifty five hundreds for every single one of those. So just just be aware of that that's how that works. All right, scenario two. <clears throat> Let's say. You have $265,000 in a 401k and $265,000 in a Roth 401k. Are you required to file a form 5,500 for each 401k? Yeah, we answered that. Yep, answer is yes. Uh, if, if they're separate plans. If, if it's just the Roth option inside the same plan, it's it's one fifty-five hundred. Thanks as always. Schmitty in the villages. P.S. My new drink of choice is a tall glass of water. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> According to my doc, I developed... GERDs. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's like, yeah, I think it's, it's gastroesophageal reflux disease or something like that. It's uh it's a it's heartburn. It's a it's like heartburn, kind of the same idea. You got that, Al? You got some GERDs? I've had it before, yeah. 
But now, <laughs> now that I'm, I've cleaned up my eating. Yeah, n- not very much anymore. Um, wow, I actually got that. that correct off the top of my head. What G E R D stands for? I'm yeah, impressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Medical genius. Apparently. Uh, maybe all that Scotch whiskey finally did me in. No worries, I'm on a fine. Hang in there. Let's just <laughs> a little Scotch and water. Come on, Schmitty. Yeah, just have, have a little more water with it, right? Yeah. Or have a tall glass of water as you drink your scotch. That, that could work. Yeah, well, scotch back, you know? Yeah, and then, or just do like I do. Eat lettuce and rice and beans and <laughs> tomatoes and fruit all day. Oh, boy. All right. Well, Schmitty, hang in there, buddy. Thanks for the question. Hello, Andy, Joe, and Al. I really appreciate everything you taught me through your YouTube presentations, and I enjoy listening to your education and humor. I enrolled in a 403B through one job and a 457 through a second job. I also fully fund a roof IRA in a brokerage firm. I do not make enough money to max out my tax advantage contributions, but enjoy saving to try to apply principles I learned on your show. Okay, very cool. My question has to do with the 403B, which is under the stewardship of security benefit which, as you know, is a life insurance annuity company. However, my plan has good investment options, and I have chosen funds like Vanguard Total International and Vanguard 500 Index Funds. My 457 plan is through Empower Retirement, and I also have good fund choices like DFA and Vanguard. I try to employ a 60-40 stock bond mix in a globally diversified portfolio throughout my three investment options. When I leave my teaching job, I have planned to roll my 403B into an IRA with a brokerage firm, but I have grown concerned by listening to you and others talk about the dangers of annuities and their high fees associated with them. Because security benefit is an annuity company, i.e. life insurance, will I be saddled with separation costs or surrender charges when I roll over to an IRA? Am I doomed (laughs) to accept the annuity option rather than my plan of pulling my investments into a consolidated portfolio? Since I don't max out my retirement plans with an option be to forego the 403B and just add it to my 457. My question there is the income limitations for each plan according to the income for each job. Or is it total income and I can max out one plan and forego the other? My apologies for the length of the question, but I really appreciate it and will eagerly await your reply. Thank you, Bruce. Oh, Bruce from Kansas. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'll take a stab at this. The security benefits of 403B plan through your employer. Sounds like he's a teacher. Yeah. Um, I would not worry about the fees all that much in a large employer plan. Um, I would have to look at the plan document, of course. Um, and they probably have a brokerage arm, and it sounds like you're investing in Vanguard funds, um, which is probably not in the shell of a variable annuity. It could be. Um, but do you have an annuity contract is what I would look at. If there's an annuity contract with your 403B, then you would look at that contract to see, is there surrender charges? What are the fees? What are the costs? What's going on there? Um, can you just strictly go into the 403B versus the 457? Is that what he's asking? Or the four? Yeah, the 457 is a government plan. Um, but no, the 457 is through Empower. The 403B is through security benefit. So if he wants to go the 457, yeah, you could fully fund the 457. Uh, the 457 doesn't have age 59 and a half limitations. Um, it's a deferred comp plan. 
So there's pros and cons, but if he wanted to go one plan or another, if as long as you make $20,000 and you want to contribute 20,000, go for it. Um, so would he actually be saddled with separation costs or surrender charges on his 403b just because it's an insurance company that's holding his 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 403b highly doubt it yeah i i would doubt it too i i think that the the term annuity gets such a bad rap because a lot of annuities have very high fees and people buy stuff that they don't really understand and it's complicated and it doesn't necessarily perform how they thought it would uh, for you know, annuity inside of a four hundred three B is generally generally a lot different. I mean, it, it's well, yeah. TSAs was kind of the start, tax sheltered annuity. Yeah, and then they they changed them to four hundred three Bs. And I don't know if it's a four hundred three B seven. If it's a four hundred three B seven, then you can invest in mutual funds. Right. Um, so I would have to look at the plan. Of course, we're just kind of spitballing here, but I wouldn't be overly overly concerned. I would still say the fees are probably a lot higher than somewhere else but um but it sounds like he, he bruce is kind of on it he's picked good funds it's diversified it's easy to contribute to i would not be overly concerned about getting killed and surrender charges out of that account unless it this happened to bruce because this is probably the only thing i could think of he's sitting in the lunchroom <laughs> and uh, one of these uh, manuity reps goes to Bruce in the lunchroom and says, Hey, have you taken advantage of your retirement plan here at XYZ school? And he'll be like, Oh, what is that? It's like, well, it's a 403B. And then security benefit could be a vendor for, and then there's multiple vendors, let's say for, I, I don't, I'm guessing he's a school teacher, but I think that's what he said. Well, he says he's when he leaves his teaching job. Teach, well, he could be a doctor too. Right. He's teaching, <laughs> teaching medicine. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, Joe. <laughs> but, but if that's the case, then he has his own 403B and it's under contract, uh, right? So it's a separate plan. The, the TSA 403B market was the wild, wild west, right? Yeah. You would get yeah. all these assurance reps, you know, sitting in the lunchrooms, um, you know, hanging out with the, the teachers. And then the teachers were like, oh, well, you must be part of the school district. And so they're signing up and, and contributing into these plans. And then they find out, oh, well, I could invest in Fidelity or Vanguard or all these other different companies versus selecting security benefit like Bruce did. So, A, I would check, is there other vendors that you could contribute to or security benefit the main vendor for his organization? Um, if, if, if it's the latter, then I would switch out of that, and then he could go into something less expensive. Um, but I don't know. Tell Bruce to send me. I don't know. Bruce, send me what you got, and then <laughs> – I'm flying blind here. I'm trying my best. So um, hopefully that helps. Let's go to Jack Frost. Nipping at your nose. Oh, God. I already know. <laughs> this is going to be just something special. All right. I drive a 2005 Honda Accord, and my wife drives a 2013 Honda Odyssey. 2005. That's a few years ago. Yeah. Honda Accords, they'd last forever. As shown by Jack Frost here. Yeah. Um, we'll drive them both to their deaths. Okay. Drink of choice is any porter beer I can find. Porter beer. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, it's a darker, darker beer. It's like a port. No, I mean it's like 
I think it's kind of like a stout. I'm not sure what the difference is between yeah, stout that's and the porter. impression I get too. Yeah. Andy, you big porter beer? No, I don't like porters at all. Since no. we don't since we don't really know what it is, I guess we're not <laughs> we're not big on it. I mean, I've tried them and and I think they're popular uh in the UK and I had some there. Yeah. And, but uh, isn't yeah. isn't that right? Give it a miss. Kind of like a stout. I'm I guessing so, yeah. it, it tastes nothing like Coors Light. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would agree with that assessment. <laughs> all right. My question is how should I fund my 24% into my 401k this year? So I have 8% that he's contributing. He gets 16% matched through his employer. Oh my, that's super generous. Wow. Jack Frost. <laughs> uh, pre-tax or Roth 401k. Here's why I'm asking. I'm a tight ass. Okay. <laughs> Keep daily logs of expenses and a budget. Daily. Daily. Now. Do you is do that the, what you and Annie do? <laughs> no. <laughs> wait, financial wait, summit? We, we don't do that, Joe. Uh, we stopped yeah. doing the Clopine Financial Summit. About, oh, wow. About, oh, wow. Clopine uh, Financial Summit is, is extinct, huh? Yeah, we stopped about a decade ago, maybe. Oh, that's when you start making the real bucks. Yeah, that's when the wallet got big. So didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need a, didn't need a, uh, didn't need a summit. Didn't, we didn't, didn't need the summit. Didn't, didn't, didn't need a daily expense budget. <laughs> wow! Could you imagine, honey? What'd you spend today? <laughs> what? You went out to lunch. <laughs> you, what is this? You got the double cheeseburger? Come on! <laughs> oh my gosh! Carry thirteen credit cards with various rewards that I pay off monthly. Fix all my own issues with cars, house, etc. Family wants to go in at least one big vacation a year. I wonder what that is. Yeah, One that's uh, like 15 bucks to, to go to the drive. Yeah. Well, we don't know where he lives, but somewhere close, I'm sure. Uh, okay. New hardwood floors in the house. I feel that I front loaded my savings and can start spending more on my family now. I'm 46. My wife is 47. Okay. We have two kids around 10 and 15. I make around $100,000 a year. My wife makes 80. Our net is about one point three million right now. Hundred one million dollars in four one Ks, three hundred thousand in Roths, hundred thousand dollars will eventually be for the kids' education when they need it. Our combined pension should be anywhere between seventy five and eighty five thousand dollars. I also plan on taking Social Security at age sixty two. Wife is a teacher, does not pay into Social Security. Only debt we have is our house. It's ninety thousand dollars and it's worth three hundred grand. Okay, so let's see. The question was where to put how yeah, to fund the Roth. Roth 401k. Yeah. How to fund the Roth, pre-tax or Roth. Okay, hold on. Jack Frost, is his numbers are jacked. He's, it actually says a million in 401k pre-tax, Roths, HSA, K1, and I-bonds. So 300,000 of that, of that is Roth. I understand. But what I'm confused about here is where... They make $180,000, Al. Yep. Okay. Yep. He saves 8%. So he's saving $8,000 a year. Right. I don't see a, his wife's a teacher. I don't see a 403B anywhere. Yeah. So, and the, the, the company matches 16%. I don't know how big of a tight ass he is. Well, but remember, he's only in his 40s. 
So maybe, well, maybe yeah, he's my age. I know, but maybe he didn't. They haven't had these jobs for long term. Who, who knows? I, I get where you're going. You're, you're thinking, wouldn't there be more if you're saving that much? Yeah, if he's a tight ass and only spends like this daily budget, right? And you're making uh, what are they making? Almost two hundred thousand dollars a year. One eighty. Where where is it? I guess that's your question. Right. If I'm saving all this money and I don't spend anything and yep. I'm looking at my expenses, but he's got two kids. I don't know. Whatever. I'm yeah. Yeah. Right. Where well, I would go Roth. That's my, that's my answer. Yeah. Because they're going to be in what is now the 24% bracket, uh, which is a good low bracket, probably would be higher later with their pensions and other stuff. And assuming they work for, you know, a while and save more. Yeah. They're probably going to be a higher bracket. Yeah. I would too. I go hundred percent Roth. Yeah, he's gonna. They're they're gonna have big pensions, you know, and he's gonna have Social Security. Um, yeah, they've done a great job. Don't get me wrong. You got you know one point four million dollars. Um, so congratulations, Jack Frost, you tight ass. <laughs> but is he over? I, I mean, I was thinking it's gonna be something. You know, am I over saving? I don't think you're over saving. Um, I think you're doing a great job. I would, but you know what? Live your life, spoil your kids, have yeah. fun. You know. Yeah. You only have a couple more porters. Relax. Right. I'm with you. Well, that's it for us. Thank you all. Uh, keep your questions coming. Uh, coming. 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 Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com um, and ask Joe now. Uh, thank you all. Andy, great job. Big Al, have fun in Hawaii, buddy. We'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks, though, huh? Uh, that's correct. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. Help new listeners find YMYW by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for your money, your wealth in Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Audible, CastBox, Good Pods, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podknife, Spotify, and Stitcher. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.